I'm going to jump right into uh, my scripture text today. I've got a lot to cover. And so if you stay standing with me, I want to read the, the scripture. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 2, a couple, 10 verses here. I'm going to wait for that camera to get over. There you go. We're going to jump right into it. So um, we're, we're kind of jumping right into the deep end. So stick with me. I want to just quickly let you know what we're going to see is basically three sections here. The first is going to be the state of humanity, the situation that we find ourselves in, every single one of us, whether you are a Republican, a Democrat, a conservative, or a liberal, or whatever you believe about abortion or any other issue, every single human being finds himself in the same situation in life when it comes to sin and what that sin has created in us and what it's done in our relationship with God. And then we're going to see what God did because God did something. And then we're gonna see what the opportunity to respond to that is. So this is what it says, Ephesians 2, one through 10. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Somebody say dead. dead. You weren't just sick. You weren't just a bad boy or a bad little girl. You didn't just need to be fixed. You needed, you needed to be raised from the dead. This is what sin does. Is it it, it absolutely, absolutely spiritually kills us. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which, you once, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air. That is the spirit that's now in work, at work in the sons of disobedience. That's a term we don't use very often. It basically is referring to the evil one, the devil, saying that we were following him. So we were dead and we were in fact being led by the devil among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. This is what sin does. Is it, it gets us essentially to do whatever our mind and our flesh, our passions want to do. In other words, we sit on the throne of our life. We become the king or the queen of our own world. We take his place in our life and we follow him. And we follow our own way and for that we were dead. We were by nature children of, of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That's the situation we find ourselves in. But God. Oh, only two people heard me in this. <laughs> we were dead, friends. But God. Oh, I know the 909 sleepy, but we were dead. It's so, e it's so easy for church folk to forget. I know, I, I, I'm in church every week, my whole life. It's easy for us to forget that apart from God, we're dead but he showed up being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We're going to talk about this word right here today, grace. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Is this sort of mystical? I don't know exactly what that means, but in, in some sense, we are right now already with Christ in the heavenly places. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. There's that word again. Grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. One more. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now listen, if anybody thinks you're righteous in and of yourself, this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God not as a result of our works so that none of us can boast. We're no better than anybody out there. We're all in the same situation. We don't boast, we can only boast in him. 
For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I'm going to preach this message to you today called, May Grace Stay With You. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here joining us online or here in the room. And together we ask in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each one of us, that you would accomplish whatever it is that you want to accomplish, and that you would speak to each of our hearts whatever it is that you want to speak, and that the outcome that you desire from this message, we would walk out of this place ready to walk it out with courage. So let your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you give somebody a high five and find a seat. Will you put your hands together for our our worship team? I want to honor my youth pastor. He's in the house. He's right here in the middle. You've never been here before, I don't think, have you? Not while I was preaching, at least. Hello. If I preach good, it's because of him. If I preach bad, it's because of him. No, I'm just joking, but you know what? I was not always the best youth student. Logan, listen to me. I was terrible. Ask him. For about three years. But then I actually met Jesus in a real way. And so I'm so thankful for youth pastors that labor and labor and labor and any minister that that sticks with people even when you don't see the fruit because sometimes the fruit comes later on because of the seed that you sowed. So thank you, Pastor Chris. And I got some other friends from my old church too. So uh, I want to talk about this word grace and I want to show you, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but I want to show you some particular uses of this word. Now, I don't know if you really have a grasp for what this word is, but it's an extremely important theme uh, in the Bible, especially the New Testament, of course. And, you know, I was always kind of taught growing up, like, hey, mercy is not getting what you deserve. You know, you, you deserve jail. You, you, you didn't get it. So that's mercy. You've been shown mercy. Grace will be getting what you don't deserve. And sometimes it can be really simple. Um, but I want to make it, if I can, just a little bit more complex because sometimes some biblical themes are not always just totally simple. It, they're layered, like the word love is layered. Uh, so I want to give you this definition and invite you to go along with me. And I wrote it like this for a reason because I think just in this word, and, and stick with me, don't check out, we're going to go somewhere with this, but I need to lay the foundation and it's really important to grasp that Grace is not simply just a transaction. You just get something from God and it just covers your wrong and then you move on. But I want to submit this this definition to you today. So it is the unmerited. That is, we have not earned it. There's nothing that you could do for it. It's unmerited. Knowledge, favor, forgiveness, love. Basically, this line is just whatever it is that you have from God. So it's not just the covering of your sin, or it's not just forgiveness. It's, it's even the knowledge that we have of God. It's the fact that you're sitting here today receiving a, a message that's preached from the Bible. I mean, do you know what grace it is that we have scripture in our hand right now in our own language? That's grace from God. 
The fact that God cared enough to reveal himself to us and give us knowledge of him in the first place, that's grace. You know, there's still like 1,500 languages on this planet that don't have a single verse in their language. It's grace that we have the knowledge of God. It's grace that we have the love of God. It's grace that we have forgiveness from him. It's grace that, that, that covers our sin. It's, it's basically everything that comes from God. We didn't earn it. And everything that we have from him is, a, is dispensed to us through grace. It's from God in Christ. And it's based on his presence in our life. So like this is my daughter right here. Grace is not like, as a dad, I don't just you know, give her the money that she needs and give her like some in, an, a, a letter that I wrote with instructions and just leave her to, to figure out her life. No, grace would be that, that I'm present in her world and that the money that she has and the love that she has and the, the provision that she has and the safety that she has, the household that she has, isn't apart from me, but it's, it's with me. It's, it, I'm present with her. I don't know if that analogy hits exactly, but I just, it's really important that we recognize that God is not just a supernatural Santa Claus giving us gifts from heaven and staying separate from us. The grace that's in our life flows from the fact that he is present with us in our life. And the only way that we can receive it is by faith. Not by works, not by good deeds, not by how many rules you could follow. You receive God's grace by faith and it should be responded to with obedience. Grace is not simply something that comes to you so you could take advantage of it and just say, oh, well, I'm covered by grace. It's okay. But that when grace, when we receive grace, we should respond to it somehow. Now, I noticed something uh, in all of Paul's letters that he wrote. He wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. Apparently, this subject of grace was really important to him, Ephesians being one of them. But he wrote 13 letters, and I found that in every single one of his letters, at the very beginning, he references this theme of grace. Have you ever noticed that before? Some of you have? So I want to quickly walk through these. Uh, because I just, I found it to be so profound that every single letter he writes, he writes some form of the same thing. So let's start with Romans. He says this in Romans, to all those who are in Rome, who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of his greetings will include some form of him saying that he's a servant to Christ. A lot of them include the word peace, which is, which is most definitely a reference to basically the Hebrew greeting of shalom, which means peace, holding, uh, wholeness to you. Uh, but he, he doesn't say peace in every one of his letters, but he says this at the beginning of every single letter. Grace to you. And so here I got this, this ball representing... Romans. I need a volunteer today. Yeah? Okay, you're Romans. Stand up, Romans. I'm going to send some grace to you, okay? <laughs> so it'd be like Paul's writing this letter to Roman, the church in Rome, and he's sending grace to them. And if you read this, this particular book, it's, it's one of the most, I mean, it's one of the greatest theological works of all time, right? He talks all about how we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Just the knowledge of that is grace to you. He's talked about the fact that the righteous shall live by faith. 
He talks about the fact that nothing in all of the world, in heaven or earth, and nothing can separate from the love of God. He says, hey, you know what? God could turn all things for the good for those who love him. He says, hey, in light of all the mercy of God, I'm inviting you to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So all of this grace is, is, is being written down and, and is coming to the church in Rome. You ready for it? Okay, grace to you. Good catch. That's an athlete right there. Hold on to that grace. So he's writing this letter, and in other words, he writes this letter to them, and, and grace is coming to them in this truth and knowledge of God. You with me? Next one. First Corinthians, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I need a first Corinthians. Craig, first Corinthians. Now, Craig, the church in Corinth had some issues. <laughs> you know a little bit about issues. Can I say that? Because God has healed you. It is true. Because just like the church in Corinth, who had, had to be corrected, somebody came to you once and looked at you in your eyes and said, what are you doing? And you responded. And so, Corinth, this is a letter that's coming to you with some correction, but correction is still grace. Grace is not just the things that feel good. Craig could tell you about it. The, the grace coming to him is when people would come and call out the faults that somebody is walking in in order to see them lifted up. And so, so grace, the love of God, is coming to you. And so he sends this letter and his grace to them, correcting their, their divisions and brokenness. But then he talks all about love and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all these things. So, so grace was coming to the church in Corinth. And then he had to go and write another one to them. <laughs> so <laughs> again, though, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I need a 2 Corinthians. Oh, hey, Jay. 2 Corinthians. He sends a letter and it's about a lot of things. But he, it, and one thing this is about is reconciliation. He says, anyone who's in Christ is a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now I implore you to be reconciled to God because God made him who knew no sin to become sin for you. And so he writes this letter and grace comes to them. Good catch. That's a brown. Galatians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Where's my church in Galatia? I need a deep one. All right. They were falling into legalism again. They were falling into uh, following the law. They were falling, in, following, falling into believing that if they performed certain religious acts, that's what accomplished salvation for them. And Paul's like, yo, if you fall into that thinking, you're separating yourself from Christ. So there's a lot of correction. Where's my, where's, where's my church at? Galatia. Here we go. Grace is coming to you. Did you get it? Oh, oh. Hey, there's grace for that. <laughs> Ephesians, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Church in Ephesus. It's all about the church, the body of Christ, Gentiles and Jews being built up in one together, the armor of God. I need, a, I need my church in Ephesus over here. There he is. So he writes this letter. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, man of God, stand up. Grace is coming to you. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> So he writes this beautiful letter, and everything that's in it is grace coming to you. Good job. What's next? Philippians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Are you noticing a the theme here? 
Every time that he sends something, he's including this, this theme. Grace is coming to you. He's writing this one from jail. He's writing it, and it's, even though he's in jail, it's all about joy. The whole thing is about joy. I need, a, I need my church in Philippi. Little guy, here we go. Grace is coming to you. Yes. 909 is better than the Saturday night. <laughs> Colossians. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we go, around the corner. Grace is coming at you. You know what grace came in that letter? Grace came and said, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For from him, by him, through him are all things that were created. In him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is grace that the world will know that Jesus is not just a man, but Jesus is God incarnate. It's grace for you to know that. First Thessalonians. <laughs> grace to you. I think that this, this has a lot of warnings in it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and warnings about what's to come is grace. Set you up and be ready, Sam. Oh! Wow, that's grace. He just saved you. Bad throw. Nice catch. Grace. Second Thessalonians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. There he is. Grace coming at you. Good catch. First Timothy. Grace teaching all about how to pastor, how to raise up leaders, how to lead a church. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You want it? Yeah, here you go. You ready? Grace coming at you. Good job. Wow. We're at almost 100%. Second Timothy. I want to end a deep one. My man in the back. Come on. Yeah, get out there in the open. I don't want to hurt nobody. <laughs> Is that Reese? Reed. Hey, Reed, you know what he says in this letter? Reed, look at me. He says that in, in the last days, in the generation that you're growing up in, there's going to be your friends that turn away from the faith. Listen to me, young man. People are going to start calling good things evil, and they're going to start calling evil things good. And this is Pastor Paul writing to little Reed, and he said, he sends this grace to him, and he says, you stand firm in the faith. No matter what happens, no matter what your buddies tell you, Jesus is the only and the true way. This is grace coming to you, son. You ready for it? Grace is coming to you. Okay, that was, my, that was a bad throw on my behalf. Good job, buddy. Two more. <laughs> Titus. To Titus, my true child in the common faith, grace and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Where's Titus at? Stephen, Titus. Boom. I know you're an artist, but you can still catch. <laughs> Filet mignon. Grace to you. <laughs> I told him last night I would do that. Everybody was arguing about how to say it, so. It's filet mignon. Grace to you, peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. You already got one, buddy. No double portions of grace. Here we go in the back. Okay, go get it. All right, so, so check it out. 
all this grace, he's written all these letters, and grace has come to you, Rome. Grace has come to you, Corinth. Grace has come to you, Titus, Timothy. The truth of God has come to you. Now, the question is, and it, this is really the same thing that's happened in our life. You're sitting here today because grace has come to you. Something somehow convinced you to sit in this room, and that's grace. Beautiful. Well, you're sitting here thinking, yeah, my mama drugged me here. I ain't going to grace. It is grace. Because my parents drugged me to church for 17 years, and I, w- I didn't like it. But I love it now. And so what grace have you received in your life? How many mistakes have you made? Think about, I bet you, we're not going to have you raise your hand, but I just happen to know in this church, if I had you raise your hand, if I asked how many people should be dead by now, hands would be up. Let's see a show of hands. Come on, this is fun. (laughs) Listen. I... I rolled a, <laughs> I, I rolled a quad at man camp and flew into a tree. And I wasn't wearing a helmet. And so the grace that came to me, the grace that came to me was that I'm not seriously injured or dead right now. But now what am I going to do with that grace? I'm going to wear a helmet next time. (laughs) I want to read something to you from a pastor that lived in Germany during the the Nazi regime. You may have heard of him. I know Don has. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he points out that though grace is free to us and a gift, it is not cheap. And so I just want to read this because I, it, really it's just so good it's not worth me trying to re-sort of say it in my own words. This is what he writes. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Just think about society right now and what's kind of being fed. Just cheap grace. Cheap grace is baptism without church discipline. Cheap grace is communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, and grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. On the other hand, costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. For the sake of it, a man will go and sell all that he has. It's the pearl of great price for which a merchant will sell all of his goods to go and purchase. It's the kingly rule of Christ for whose sake a man will pluck out his eye which causes him to stumble. Costly grace is the call of Jesus Christ at which a disciple leaves his nets and follows him. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. Now listen. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. It's grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. 
It's costly because it cost a man his life. It's grace because it gives you true life. It's costly because it condemns sin, but it's grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it's costly because it cost God the life of his son, for you were bought at a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap to us. Above all, it's grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life. He delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. And so in that same spirit, I wanna, I wanna show you what I found out about all these letters and I found it to be so interesting that in as much as Paul was writing and incorporating this theme of grace coming to you in every letter that he wrote, every bit of truth that comes, every bit of love that you experience from God, every bit of forgiveness that you experience, he also wrote something at the end of every letter. This is the first time in my life I've ever known this. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but I want you to take a take a look and notice that he was very intentional in his wording once again. In Romans, at the very end, he says, the, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. First Corinthians, he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Second Corinthians, he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Are you picking it up? Galatians the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers, amen. Ephesians, grace be with all of you who love our Lord Jesus Christ in love incorruptible. Philippians, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Colossians, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. First Thessalonians, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Are you thinking that he's being intentional right now? Second Thessalonians, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. First Timothy, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you and avoid irreverent babble and contradictions, what is falsely called knowledge, for by professing it some have swerved from the faith, but grace be with you. The Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you. Titus, all who are with me send greetings to you, greet those who love us in the faith, grace be with you. And filet mignon, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And I don't know exactly all that he meant when he was saying that, but it's clear that he's being very intentional. I mean, of all the things that are found in the the numerous letters, all the themes on love or forgiveness or faith or whatever it is, this is the only thing that he specifically included the exact same term at the beginning of every letter and the exact same term at the end of every letter. So I got to thinking, what, what did he mean by that? Now, I don't know all the things that he meant by that, but I want to submit at least one thing that I think that he means. That all of you that, that received a tennis ball today, you, you received a letter, you received truth of God, you received grace, it flew in the air to you. We always have an opportunity when grace, love, truth, knowledge, forgiveness comes to us. What are we going to do with it next? 
I think that what he was saying is, hey, as I write this letter to you, I'm writing the words of God on his behalf. And as you read this, grace is coming to you. And in the last chapter of every one of the books, he's saying, now, after you've read all this, you've received this knowledge of God, you've received this love of God, you've received this truth of God, I pray that grace will stay with you. Because how often do we receive something from God and then neglect what should be the result of that? What are you going to do with the grace that's come to you? It needs to stay with you. If you remember the passage that we read at the beginning, it says that, hey, we're all dead and we're broken. We're separated from God. But because he was rich in mercy and love, he, he sent Jesus for us. And then he says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your works. And then did you notice the contrast? The very next sentence said, you were created for good works. That's not a contradiction. That as grace comes to you, unmerited favor that you receive by faith, after you've received grace, it's come to you and you've received it, there's only one response that you should have, which is walking into it. Keeping grace with you. Keeping for, let me put it like this. I've got a few examples for you. Grace to you means that God forgives you. Grace with you means that you go and sin no more. Grace to you means that no matter the pride that you have, he loves you. Grace with you means you take no pride in sin, no matter the sin. Did you catch it? Grace to you means God wants you to know truth enough that he would speak to you. Grace with you means that when, you, when he speaks, you obey. Grace to you means that he covered every mistake. Grace with you means that you make it your intention not to walk in those mistakes again. Grace to me was that I didn't die hitting that tree. Grace with me is that I don't ride a quad without a helmet again and go through a puddle going really fast. Anyway. <laughs> Grace to you means that God loved you at your worst. Grace with you means that you now love others in their worst. Grace to you means that you have received ministry. Grace with you means that you become the minister. Grace to you, oh man of God, means that God gave you that wife. Grace with you means that now that you have her, you treat her like God's daughter. Grace to you, O woman of God, means that God gave you that husband. Grace with you means that you respect and honor him. 
the same way that the church respects and honors Christ. Grace to you means that he's forgiven you of every bit of sexual immorality. Grace with you means that you flee from it now. I guess what I'm really trying to say is, in as much as grace has come to you, has grace stayed with you? Grace to you means that God stepped out of heaven to reconcile you to himself. Grace with you means that you live every day in that reconciliation for him. And grace to you means the Holy Spirit has come to you and filled you. Grace with you means you actually listen to his voice and obey. Grace to you is a free gift that covers everything that you have ever done and every, ever will do. Grace with you says, I will never intentionally do something aside from God's will if I can help it by his power. Because the grace that's come to us should be responded to with holiness. Grace to you is not an excuse to walk in whatever way you want to walk. It's an invitation to walk in the holiness and the sanctification that God has offered to you. So as we close, I just want to give you a moment to consider the grace that's come to you in your life. If I could have the prayer team come forward. If the rest of you would just bow your head and just stay in your seat for a moment. I just want to give you a second to consider. Just close your eyes and consider all of the grace that God has shown you in your life. Covering your sin. Forgiving your sin. Forgiving your sin again. Not rejecting you. Forgiving your sin again. Showing you his love. Stepping out of heaven for you. Saving you from the outcome that you knew that you deserved. His love, his forgiveness, grace has come to you. Is grace with you? Is response your, what, what, what response do you have from the grace that he's shown you in your life. And so I just want to simply give the Holy Spirit 30 seconds. Lord, I pray right now that you would speak to each one of us. If there's any area that we have not responded appropriately to your grace, that you would reveal it to us now. We give you permission.